0: Center and coming in as Bloom. Hewitt, I excited that. He's McDonald! scores! And over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing Flames. You can't put it in the window. Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! This is Flame Talk with Pat Steinberg and Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: All right, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Monday, October 16th, and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV 5922 gun safe, now just 1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Hello, Logo. Hi, pat, pat. Logo with us this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, and of course, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and live every weekday on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, but always available wherever you get your uh, get your podcast. Go hit subscribe on that Flames Talk podcast feed. It's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine spirits beer today. Uh, So the Flames get set for game two of their five-game road trip. They'll play it on Monday night against the Washington Capitals at Capital One Arena. And Matthew Phillips is now a member of the Washington Capitals. And I ask the question as we go inside hockey, should he be a member of the Washington Capitals? And what I mean by that is, should he not still be a member of the Calgary Flames? Uh, 2016, sixth-round draft pick. Just a, a really good underdog story of the undersized local kid Calgary minor hockey product who scored at every level and defied odds at every level. He defied odds in minor hockey. He defied odds uh, as he went to the Western league and, you know, just became one of the most prolific scorers in the league uh, with Victoria. He goes to the American league and right away he is able to be um, an offensive impact maker. And then near the end of his American league time with the flames organization, one of the most dynamic players in the league well, shouldn't he at the very least get a long look with the team that drafted him? We know the answer to that question is no. And I'll I'll say this, Logo, as, as Matthew Phillips did not re-sign with the Flames as a Group 6 unrestricted free agent this past summer. He signed with Washington on a one-year, one-way deal. I think it is one of the more frustrating departures we've seen with this organization in a while. In fact, for me, it's the first time I've felt upset about or been super critical about a player that they have lost for nothing since like 2014 when they lost Paul Byron on waivers. Uh, they put Byron on waivers in Brad Tree Living's first year as GM. And they did so because they had that three goaltending goaltender situation. They had Hiller, they had Ramo, and they didn't want to lose audio on waivers. So mm. they put Byron on waivers. Habs claimed him. And he turned into a pretty damn good NHLer before he just recently retired. Like, Byron was a good player, and they gave him away for nothing. And I kind of feel like that's what happened here with Matthew Phillips. And different. They didn't put him on waivers. But he was frustrated last year. There's no doubt about it. He did everything he possibly could to earn a spot in the NHL and was never really given that spot in the NHL. Now, I know that that is a prior regime, and I think that prior regime even internally had some butting of heads. I, I go back to Brad Treliving, uh Sorry, I go back to the Flames announcing. When they recalled Matthew Phillips, they, I've never seen them announce something like this. General manager Brad Trilliving has announced that the flames have recalled Matthew Phillips from the American hockey league with a big picture of him scoring a goal with the Wranglers. I was like, I've never seen them announce a recall like that before with the GM's name on it and with the player's picture on it and like fanfare about it. And it just, it made me wonder how much internal strife there is about how certain players should be utilized. And, I think we know that there was a faction uh in the flames that wanted to see more of the young man. And there was the head coach who believed that it just wasn't gonna happen and, and he wasn't an a- NHLer. And that's that's Daryl Sutter's right. I mean, Daryl Sutter's a pretty good player evaluator. I understand it. But logo, I just wanted to see the player get the actual opportunity to become or or to prove one way or the other if he was gonna become an NHLer. Prove us that. Prove to us that you're not going to be an NHLer or prove that you will, but at least do it in the organization that drafted you. So I understand why he left. I understand why he was frustrated. I understand why he went and signed with Washington. I don't blame him at all. I also don't blame Ryan Huska or, or <laughs> Craig Conroy, who were put in a really bad spot. But it is a frustrating departure, and, and I understand why there, are, there were and remain lots of Flames fans who were frustrated by it as well
2: yeah I think it's on on any organization pat to to the fullest of their ability, know what they have in any given prospect that whether it's drafted, undrafted, first rounder, sixth rounder, I think that's incumbent on the organization to whenever that relationship ends because it's a business and it will end at some point, to at least know that you've done everything in your power to give them an opportunity. Whether it's, you know, maybe it's just to, to be an AHL player on a regular basis. Maybe it's not, you know, getting to the level of Matthew Phillips and NHL level. But to leave a stone unturned like you did with Matthew Phillips, who, as you mentioned, is a Calgary kid, was a great story coming up and being a sixth round pick. Who don't don't know how many sixth round picks turn into scoring threats at the American Hockey League level, by the way. But a lot of them don't even get to pro hockey. So that was a great story in and of itself. But for a guy to in two years in Stockton and then with the Wranglers in Calgary the next year, Pat, to be an above-point-a-game player and never, I don't care if you think those two games were an audition, I will argue vehemently against them that they were a fair shake given to him. There's just There wasn't enough runway for the guy to ever prove one way or another. And look, like I said, and you've said as well, maybe he's not. Maybe this, this opportunity with Washington doesn't amount to anything, but the fact that Calgary doesn't know that any more than Washington does at this point, after you drafted him, after you developed him, after you've taken time as an organization to see it through, that you don't have those questions, that's a failure. That's, there's no other way to look about it this way. And again, that's whether he becomes a successful long-term NHL or not, Pat. You can't let somebody leave your organization and not know. That's not good enough because then you're going to run into this mistake often and again and again and again. You cannot, and again, this isn't on Craig Conroy. There was a different management group. There was a different coach here at the time, but that's still a failure. You cannot operate that way, especially with a guy that showed as much as Matthew Phillips did at the American Hockey League level. There was nothing else that this young man could have done. I don't care about his size. I don't care about his speed, whatever his skating was. The numbers indicated he deserved a chance at the next level, and you never gave him that. That's your problem.
1: And and look, I mean, it was a tough situation for uh, Craig Conroy to walk into as the new general manager because, yes, he was part of the prior regime. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but at the same time, uh, he was not the one making the decisions, and look, I, I, I think that they would have liked to keep them. I believe that they put a... My my belief is the Flames felt like they put the best possible offer on the table for for Phillips. It was a multiple year deal, I believe. I believe it was one year as a one-way, one year as a two-way, I believe is what it was when it was all said and done. Um, But they offered him multiple years. But He wanted a change of scenery and and believed that he needed to go try it somewhere else. And I think that the sour taste of the way this past year went is a big reason for that. So again, I don't really... I I don't... Anybody still involved in the whole thing, I don't blame them. Because I think Conroy was put in a tough spot and did everything in his power to keep the player. And I think Matthew Phillips was... Open to it, but felt like and go read Eric Francis's column at Sportsnet.ca. It's it's really well done. Talks to the grandfather, talks to Matt, talks to Kirk Muller and Mitch Love now with the uh, Capitals organization as well. Like it's a really good read, and it gives you the it gives you some insight into the way that Matt was thinking coming into free agency and was his first opportunity at free agency. So I I don't blame the player. I understand why the player wanted to wanted to go elsewhere because even though there were the changes and even though there was a coaching change, like sometimes sour taste in the mouth or a frustrating year, you do want to go look for a change of scenery. And as an unrestricted free agent, that's that's kind of what he's done. And he's got the guy who coached him in the American exactly, League the last yes. two years as, as an assistant there. And um, they, they offered a one-way deal. There's an opportunity there. And, and so far, as he gets ready on Monday night to play his second game as a member of the Washington Capitals, so far, He's, uh, he sees that opportunity.
2: That, to me, can't be overlooked in this either, Pat, because do I think that there was a chance that Matthew Phillips, under the new regime, could see the light of an opportunity under Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska? Absolutely. But you mentioned that sour taste in your mouth, the fact that it would have been nice for a fresh start, and you look at what Washington built and the fact that Mitch Love is there, and to a lesser degree, but I'm sure, I'm sure still important, uh, Kirk Muller is there too, right? Now you've got two guys behind the bench that know you to a certain degree as a person, and certainly in both situations for Mitch Love, a person and a player, that's a pretty nice opportunity to walk into and one that you don't always get in that sort of in-between spot as an NHLer, right? How many guys can sit here and go, yeah, the next organization I'm signing with has two coaches who are extremely familiar with my game, probably you know proponents for me being part of this deal and coming to this organization And kind of giving, I'm not going to say a a soft landing spot, because I think he did earn his spot with the Washington Capitals. I don't think it was gifted to him by any means. But I think that makes a big difference, especially knowing how uh, liked Mitch Love was in the Calgary organization as a coach, for him to have that opportunity to continue under him. Now, Mitch is coaching the D in Washington. He's not coaching the forwards, but... It doesn't mean he can't have an opinion or can't wow. speak to Spencer Carberry or others in the Washington organization I know and say, that hey. they
1: I know that they instantly as soon as uh as soon as it became apparent that he was going to unrestricted free agency, I know the caps went right to Mitch Love and said, all right tell us everything about this guy You'd be stupid not to and I know that he said, look because because i uh, like I basically, I think what the word was that this guy's going to help us wherever he plays. Maybe he'll help us as an everyday NHLer. Maybe he won't. We'll wait and see. But at worst, he's going to help us on our American League team yep. and he's going to be a damn good AHLer. So there's no downside in signing him was essentially the message that Mitch Love gave the Caps. And 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 we'll see. Because I don't know if he's an NHLer. I still don't. No, but that, that's
2: the problem. That's the, that's the biggest problem. You would have wanted to get
1: that answer. Calgary as a, should
2: have had that answer yeah. long before he left this organization. That's... That's the issue, and I
1: understand that you know there's the because as we were talking about, well, he's a Calgary kid. I personally, I think that story is part of my frustration because it would have been a great story. Like it would have made Tom from overtime really happy. Final call tonight goes to Tom. What's going on, Tom?
0: Hey, Tom. Uh, It's Tom here. Pat, I've
1: been listening all night
0: long, and I've been listening
1: all year, and I
0: basically have not bothered to call because of some of the callers you guys have and. It's pretty frustrating listening to you guys talk, but when you uh, start talking about Martin Jones and, and uh, the Flames didn't really make a mistake there, I honestly believe they do. And if they'd gone to the, uh, the stampeder route of the 80s and 90s, you take a chance on homegrown uh, prospects, and you take that chance and you run with it. If you waste a draft pick on it, you waste it. If you uh, rate, uh, waste a little bit of money on uh, free agent money, then you, waste it. But I- you take care of the homegrown uh, talent. Thoughts?
1: I disagree completely. Like I think that's a whole <laughs> That's why way you're an idiot. Your <laughs> and that's why you're an idiot. I thought in this particular instance, though. No, Tom, Pat,
2: just because he's from Calgary, you throw money at him at this particular regardless instance, of it. I would have liked to see it because he's a Calgary kid. Do I think that you should just go throw money at every yes. Calgary
1: Kid No, maybe not.
2: If you don't draft every Calgary Hitman available next year, Pat, this regime has failed us. Signed Tom. I wonder if Tom still listens or not. I don't think Tom does. I think Tom's got a pretty negative day-to-day based on that phone call. Uh,
1: a few texts at nine sixty nine sixty. That's my guess. Um, guys, does Phillips not feel like Corey or 2.0? He's good, but doesn't have the skill set to be a small top six player. He was dominating team seventh or lower defenseman. Uh, they have a million prospects that project out to Phillips or better. They need some blue chippers. I don't know we if don't he's going to be know. Corey. That's, that, that's the
2: frustration. That's yeah. the point. Could he be Corey Conaker? Sure. Could he be any other random NHLer that never made it to the NHL on a full-time basis? Sure. But you should have had that answer before you let him go.
1: Uh, Greg and Varsity says, And the most frustrating part of Bubba's situation last year was that the Flames were flat. They couldn't score. And everyone thought some useful energy and talent is what the team needed. The two most frustrating things about last year for me, and I look, I thought hiring Daryl Sutter was the right move at the time. I think Daryl Sutter is a Hall of Fame coach and deserves to be. I think that guy has more understanding of the game in one finger than I'll have in an entire lifetime. Like the man is a hockey savant. But yeah, I, the the small player thing was frustrating, and that. And Jake and the young player thing was frustrating because there was a very large reticence to give them opportunities that many on the outside believed that they deserved. Matthew Phillips and the way that Jacob Pelche sat for like 10 straight games and didn't get back in until the Flames were eliminated. It was like, what What am I missing here? That This team needs an infusion. Pelche is this energetic, positive guy. That's what this team is screaming for right now. Anyway, those were my two biggest frustrations from last year. Um, this says, um, watching Phillips play in the American League playoffs lessened my frustration over the situation. Um, and, and I will admit, I did not think it was the greatest postseason for Matthew Phillips last year either. I still believe that they should have given him more of a shot. Uh, this says, fair, valid, and very strong opinions on Phillips. Why is it so vastly different for Dustin Wolf? Are we not heading down the same path? We'll see. I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think that we're at the spot yet where you have to worry about that. Also because Dustin Wolf's not close to becoming an unrestricted free agent. The flames still have the luxury of time there, but I do think, and and I think Craig Conroy and company are very aware of this, that I think that is something to keep in mind going forward. No doubt about it. Um, this says, um, Pat, I think the word you're looking for is small or tiny, physically overmatched perhaps when talking about uh, Matthew Phillips. Undersized, whatever whatever term you want to use. Um, this says, Phillips, the Flames didn't give him a fair chance because they had no idea what he was as an NHLer. They never gave the kid a chance. It's ridiculous. I hope he lights it up tonight. Um, this says... Uh, <laughs> Has Tom heard of Brent Cron? It's true. (laughs) They did go to Calgary uh, with the the Hitman and announced Brent Cron as a first-round pick and the greatest pick of all time, I think.
2: Can you dispute it? Uh, I don't think you can. Probably not.
1: Uh, there you go, inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans! Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. It's Pat and Logo along with you on this hour of Flames Talk. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have no idea if Matt Phillips is going to turn into a high-end NHLer or not, and a full-time NHLer or not. I don't know. Let's. Uh, but I'm. I am. I'm rooting for the guy and I'm curious to see how it turns out for him in Washington. This hour's coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio wet basement. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy visit dlbasementsystems.com.
0: You're locked on Flames Talk, only on SportsNet 960 The Fan.
1: All right, this hour of Flamestock continues. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and it's time to focus in on the future of the flames. And the future of the flames brought to you by our friends at Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Com. And as we take a look at the future of the Flames, of course, that resides with the American League's Calgary Wranglers, who opened the season this past weekend with a 4 2 win over the Manitoba Moose on Friday before dropping a 3 2 overtime decision to that same Moose team on Monday. And those would serve as the first two games for new head coach Trent Cole, who joins us on Flames Talk right now. Trent, appreciate the time today. How are we doing?
0: Good, good. How are you guys
1: doing? Doing very well. It's good to uh, it's good to have you on. I'm looking forward to to chatting with you here on the show throughout the year and and looking at at the the Wranglers throughout the year. I'm just curious as to how you look back at the weekend. What'd you like about your group in a, a win and an overtime loss?
0: Yeah. Um... You know, why we hadn't played a preseason game here uh, together, uh, and we uh, had, uh, we got thrown together actually for three practice days, and then we made our way to Winnipeg. So we had a bit of a, uh, a kind of a first period, you know, a lot of just kind of getting, trying to get used to each other. But I thought our, our group grew. We were down by two goals, but we found a way to stick with it. And I thought we got better in the second period, and we did get better in the third period. And we ended up finding a way to win that game, and I think it was really good. Um and then continuing on, I thought we had another really good, like almost stretching it out to like six periods or seven periods of overtime. But I thought we had a really good first period on Sunday, yesterday. And then uh, second period started really well. Uh, we got a couple goals, got ourselves up. And I think we got a little bit complacent, a little bit uh, casual. And all of a sudden, you know, you let other teams have a, a chance to get back. And we ended up losing it on uh, PK and overtime. So, but uh, good good overall weekend, but some lessons to be learned.
1: It's funny you uh, mention the... Just the the challenges of getting a camp going in the American League. It's it's not as long as an NHL camp, and a lot of guys at NHL camps then come to a quick American League camp. Like it, it's a it's a whirlwind, isn't it?
0: It's it well, it's kind of spans over two weeks. But the first week, we you know you don't have, even have enough for a team, right? Yeah. Because there's still preseason games going on in the National Hockey League, and uh, they need to almost have, say, two teams worth of guys, but so we almost have uh, you know, it's kind of, it's not even a real great practice format, to be honest with you, but that's kind of how it goes in the American League, that's uh, the goal and the focus of the Calgary Flames, and then and that's our job to try to get ramped up as quick as we possibly can and, and get ourselves up and running.
1: So what goes into it? Like when you are, when, when that first half of camp is with such a small group of players as, as, as coach and you've run, you've run these before, like what, what goes into an American league training camp to get the group up to speed as, as quickly as you possibly can?
0: Uh, well, there's a lot of wasted time. You're going to giggle at me, but uh like, you know, we, we sit in as a staff, we get it all ready for, you know, we have a two weeks of camp and we get all excited and we got drills and everything all mapped out practices, everything, you know, and, and video. And, uh, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you don't even have enough players to barely practice. Right. So, but, uh, but you know what? That Our job is to, no matter what, uh, find a way to uh, make it work, uh, showing video, making sure. You you get all different guys, too. You have guys who've played in uh, in Penticton with the Young Stars. You've got guys who have not. And then you have guys who played some preseason games in the NHL. So it's our job to get, no matter who's there, how many numbers, who it is, try to make them as sharp as possible, get them ready. Uh, then you saw last week we had an influx of three guys showed up Monday morning, I think it was, and we had three practice days last week as a group. But then you're trying to get – then all of a sudden you have a lot of numbers. You know what I mean? We had five, five lines and ten defensemen almost or nine defensemen. Yeah. So, so then you go from one extreme to the next. But our job is to try to get everybody on the same page, operating the same way uh, in as quick as amount of time as you can and no preseason games. And, uh, but anyways, I mean, overall, three out of four points that's a positive weekend
1: well and and i guess for your purposes you kind of the schedule works out all right for you as well because you're kind of playing the weekend only schedule in the first stretch of the season so you get you get some practice time this week for instance uh before you go into abbotsford this coming weekend how, how positive is the way the schedule shapes up for the group
0: yeah and that's you know that's almost Uh, that's the American Hockey League to start. Uh, Usually it's that first month of October. You're lucky to be playing, you know, one, two games a weekend, and that's kind of just how it all goes. And uh, it's really kind of uh, easing it in, so to speak. And it's almost like you're still in training camp mode here because we've got a lot of things to just get everybody on the trying to get everybody on the same page, making sure we're refreshing every day, and and also too like it's it's busy and it's travel. Like the guys have the day off today, but uh, us as a staff, we make sure we're up and running today and and have the guys ready to go because we really only have two practice days unfortunately this week, and then we fly on Thursday into Abbotsford.
1: We're chatting with uh, Trent Cole, the new head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here to uh, look back on the opening weekend for the number 1 affiliate of the team. I uh, I I uh how how is the adjustment period gone for you so far, Trent? Like you you. I remember talking to you in Penticton, and a lot of a lot of that was just kind of getting to know some of the players that you'll be working with this year. Now you've had a, a couple of weeks of camp as well, and two regular season games under your belt. How much more comfortable do you feel with your group and your guys now?
0: Well, it's, it's been ever changing as we just were discussing, right? So, but uh, we've had the same group now for uh, a week today. You know, so that's been good. Like I said, we had the three practices. But getting into two games, it's great because no matter, um, you don't want to have preconceived notions of players because you've seen them whether playing Penticton or practice or in preseason games. So um, you're trying to like see what they can kind of bring and how they are and what the what they do really well and stuff. So it's nice to have a couple games to actually start matching, you know, guys and, and what they're. Maybe now start meshing different guys together that we think might work, you know. And so, uh, so it's been good. Uh, certainly, every face has been new to me this year, and and it's nice to start to know some first names and know people who uh, you're putting on the ice. That's for sure.
1: Well, you talk about those combinations and figuring out who's who's playing with who. And you uh, for the first two games anyway, you had Cole Schwent with. Connor area and and martin Pospisil. i'm just curious as to what you thought about that trio as kind of your top line to start the season
0: yeah you know what i i really like that tree uh i just uh i thought that uh they've they've been good on uh for the forecheck uh they've been good creating either in ozone player on the rush and then and i've liked them defensively too and uh you know I didn't get a chance to you know see these guys play some of the road games of the preseason or uh, you know and so and then the last week when we were having camp so it's been nice to see them together and they have uh, I think they've complemented each other very well
1: the uh, the play of Schwint specifically over the weekend has a couple of goals a goal each night uh, here he is as your number one center to start the year Tell us specifically about what you saw from Cole in his first two games.
0: Just you know what he's uh, he's a good skater. He's strong. He's good in all areas. He's playing uh, both power D.K. for us, and I really try that around. You know, I like not having too many guys double dip, but uh, sometimes when you deserve it, you know that you just deserve it. So, and I you know what, and I think uh, Connor has been very a good compliment to him as well and how they play. And, and I got to tell you, I think Marty's had a M- Marty came right off the the map for me. Like he's had a really good uh, weekend too. So like I said uh, I really like the three of those hockey players for sure this weekend
1: it's funny because you know Schwint was one of the last cuts from the Flames and, and was that close to being on an NHL roster to start the season and sometimes that can be you know getting getting sent to the American League sometimes uh, a player comes back and, and maybe the uh, the approach or the, the attitude isn't exactly where you want it because there's a little bit of disappointment still how how did Cole rejoin your group when, when he he got sent there just before the start of the regular season.
0: Yeah. You know what? Those guys, they they came in one day, like an hour before the start of practice and they they jumped right in and, and he's been great. I mean, I think he's, uh, I mean, like I said, all everyone is new to me, right? So it's a fresh start for them, fresh start for me as well. And so, but uh, nothing of what you said. Uh, there's been no, uh, blur in an attitude, no, you know, uh, negativity at all. It's, it's mm-hmm. just been all positive and moving forward. And, uh, you know, a lot of really good young men in the room, that's for sure. And it's, it's making my job easier so far.
1: And the, uh, other prospect I wanted to ask you about was Ilya Solovyov, also very similar, was a, late cut from NHL camp and, and really opened some eyes with the flames and, and with the management group and and here you are he's he's on your top pair. he and Nick DeSimone played together in the first two games of the season. I just how, how important is Ilya going to be is kind of that that first pairing rock on your team this year. I'm just curious as to your impressions of him and, and how important he'll be for your team this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if you, you or I can talk about how important he'll be to my team because he's a guy that uh, he's he's really impressed me, and I mean, I I could see him, uh, you know, if if it allows or injuries or whatever happens up top, I can see him spending some time um, in, in uh, for the Flames because. He's a, he's a guy who can play on my team any day. That's for darn sure. I mean, uh, we ended up losing a game in overtime yesterday, and this is after a guy in PK blocked six shots. I think it was five, six shots in a row. Just an amazing the kind of warrior this guy is. All that being said, though, good defensively, and and what he's really impressed me with is just his, I call these like little slip plays where he's going back and making these plays through four checkers for us to break pucks out of our zone, and uh, he's been outstanding with that. And sometimes it's not uh, maybe all flash and dash, but uh, I tell you what, like this guy's got a bright future. I, I've been really impressed with Ilya. That's for sure.
1: Very cool. Uh, what? Uh, tell us about the the upcoming weekend for your group. You get a couple of practice days in this week, and then uh, back to your old stomping grounds in Abbotsford, taking on that Abbotsford Canucks team. You know, uh, you know lots of the organization well. Just curious as to how you see the challenge against Abbotsford this coming weekend.
0: Yeah. It's, it'll be a big challenge for us. You know I mean? We, we know we're a young team and uh, some guys have departed here and guys have gone up to the flames, which is awesome. You know what I mean? So, and, uh, but we know that team too, that it's, it's, uh, it's a little heavier now in the sense that they've got more prospects. They've acquired other picks. They've got some uh, guys that have seasoned their way through that have coached in the past too. So, but, uh, we know it's a big challenge. We're looking forward to it. I am too. And uh, and for me right now, though, the focus is just the next two days of practice. We uh, we want to get better. You know, one thing, you're never happy as a coach. So we left one point on the board. We want that back. And uh, and so we know we still have some work to do over the next couple of days.
1: Hey, Trent, really appreciate the time. Looking forward to chatting with you as the season goes along. And, uh, hey, good luck this weekend. Thanks for doing this today. Hey.
0: Okay. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Absolutely. That is uh, Trent Call. He's the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, the number one affiliate of the Calgary Flames. And uh, that's your future of the Flames, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit OncolyticsBiotech.com. It's uh, Steinberg, Logan Gordon, along with you this hour on Flames Talk. And uh, the, the thing that jumped out to me the most I was able to watch a little bit of the game. Sunday afternoon um, when the Wranglers were in Manitoba, taking on the Moose for the second of those two games. They ended up losing that game in overtime after taking a 2 nothing lead. But, you know, I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Schwint in that game and all signs where he played really well on Friday night as well. And then you hear it there from Trent Cull. Remember, Schwint was the guy that we were all talking about as being, well, He's kind of in line to be the number four center. Mm -hmm. Flames didn't feel like he was quite ready for that. They made the waiver claim for Greer, and they've had both Sharon Govich and could be the number four center to start the year. But for him to go down and have a really strong start in the American League, and as Trent just said, not go down with uh, any negativity or feeling like, you know, he. disappointed about the decision that he got sent back to the American League, that's a that's a real positive because it just keeps him in the conversation for being one of the first recalls if, when, they need to go down that road.
2: I think during any prospects build up in an organization, Pat, that moment that most of them, let's be honest, most prospects go through being cut during training camp at some point. I think a lot nowadays goes into how they react to that, right? A GM, a head coach want to see How you react to it. And Cole Schwint was literally on the edge of just on the just as close as you can probably be to having an NHL spot to start the season. And I could understand being frustrated, upset, any of those, you know, adjectives you want to use for going through training camp and falling just short. But I think it's a a great personality trait and a great thing to have in any prospect that yeah there's going to be ups and downs um, in your career in a day to day and if you can handle it the right way I think it goes a long way making an impression on the organization and I think Cole Schwintz stock in the organization only goes up When he responds to something like that, the right way. Pat and Logan, this hour
1: of Flames Talk well underway on Sportsnet 960, the Fan, and wherever you get your podcast. Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Go ahead, subscribe. So we were supposed to have uh, Aaron Vickers in with us for one of our Flames Talk hours this uh, on this Monday. Um, he is uh, currently indisposed, first of all, all all the good vibes to Vix. yes, uh, of course. he uh, is uh, he's got a little bit of a medical situation going on right now. Everything's gonna be fine, but always like to send the good vibes out. so he's unable to join us. Shooter accident? No, no, that's this idiot. Oh, uh, sorry. Me. um, but I still I, this is Flames talk. We give credit where credits due on Flame talk. and I promised I would if this happened. obviously, would have liked Aaron to be in the studio when this happens. But, um, you know, we, we there was a pretty big moment on Saturday night, and, and that big moment happened as the Flames were in Pittsburgh.
0: Now Lindholm has it. Saucers at right point to Anderson, who winds and fires at a stop. Rebound to Coronado, who can't get a shot through. Here's Lindholm. Far side. Coronado. Scores! Matt Coronado rips the puck into the roof of the Penguins net. He's got his first National Hockey League goal, and the Flames have a one 0 nothing
1: lead. All right, so a big moment for Matt Coronado, and a moment that was telegraphed right here on this program on Thursday of last week. And then this one from Jay and Silverado. Pat, one of your one for you to discuss. In what game does Matt Coronado pot his first of the year? Uh, that's a good one. I like that question. I am going to say on October 19th in Buffalo. Ooh, can we
0: just do an over-under there, like make a side bet? And I'm going to say the under, which would be either the 14th on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins or Monday the 16th against the Capitals. I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. I think it'll come on this trip for sure. Yep.
1: But I'm going to say the Buffalo game.
0: Yeah, I can. You know what? I'm going to I'm going Saturday night. Saturday night, Pittsburgh Penguins. Look Sydney at that. We have and Eric Carlson. I'll play
1: it back if you're right. I'll give you all the credit. Can the you bury it if it's wrong? No, because I get, we're predicting when a person's going to score a goal. We're probably, there's a better chance we're wrong than right. So if you're right, you get credit. If you're wrong, you're like, well, yeah. That,
0: that's yeah i put $2 on any time score, Matt Coronado.
1: I hope you did put $2 on any time goal scorer, Matt Coronado. Wow.
2: You know what? He's not here. It's like he saw this guy play for his country at some sort of international event in person. Like around May? Of- yeah, I, I can't exactly remember the timing, but I feel like he saw him and used that sort of insider knowledge that only he would have from seeing him in person at that event to help him make that kind of decision. I think it's tremendous work by Aaron Vickers. Um, you know what I think?
1: Because he's not here. I think Talk
2: predicted that. <laughs> We we predicted it. We here on We're Flamestock. We're a family, yeah. so we predicted it. I think that all we. All of us together. I
1: think Wes and Logan and yep. Cam and Taylor and myself all share credit.
2: Uh, great job, guys. Really outstanding Well, you
1: shouldn't order. have been in the ER, Vix. when I was going to. I bad. made this for you yesterday. I was sitting there uh, in a coffee shop putting this together on a Sunday for you, and you can't even show up for the damn show. Jeez. Of
2: course I uh I jest because it won't be so funny when he loses his vision and then you're not joking.
1: Uh, He's not going to lose his position. (laughs) You don't lose your position due to injury. No, no, his vision. Oh, his vision. I hope, I also hope he doesn't lose. Yeah.
2: Um, He could lose his position, but he just got one right. So that's some good
1: telegraphing.
2: Yeah. Good job by Vicks. He called it. Some scouting done by Vickers there.
1: Saturday night in Pittsburgh in game two of the season, Matt Coronado has his first NHL goal. Good on him. Had a really good game. Um, Just wanted to quickly talk about the fourth line that we saw on Saturday. That was a really big positive for me, too. The line with A.J. Greer in his second game as a member of the Flames and Yegor Sharangovich moved to the fourth line center spot and Walker Dewar on the right side. I thought they were great against Pittsburgh and and that look, fourth line is the fourth line, they can only do so much, but I thought that was another one of the real positives coming out of that loss the Penguins is is how well those guys played. They played with some pace, they generated some scoring opportunities and last year we lamented a lot and fans lamented a lot that the number four line just kind of went out there and filled time. And it was like, uh, he didn't re- it wasn't really, sometimes it was, sometimes it Ups wasn't and
2: downs, but it and wasn't like consistently been so much more.
1: Yeah. And it wasn't consistently an effective no. fourth line. Well, so far in two games, that's been an effective fourth line. They've got some speed with Greer and Dewar on the wings. Throw Sharon Govich is the four C as well. Speedy number four center. I know he's on a, $3.1 million cap it. So maybe it's not ideal to keep them there all year long, but if you can have your fourth line look like it has to the first two games on a somewhat regular basis. Yeah. I, I I think that's a real step forward for this team. I Walker Dewar is an NHLer. There's no doubt about that. And I AJ we, that last year, we did. We did.
2: Yeah. Mr. Consistency
1: and Greer has been a real nice fit there.
2: Yeah. It's funny because, I'm with you on the Sharon Govich thing. I think I have higher hopes for him throughout the season. But for right now, as this whole situation sort of gets figured out, because we haven't really, let's be honest, Pat, we haven't really had anything set in stone line-wise for this team yet. It's all kind of been up in the air. I'm okay with, for at least a period, if, or not? Uh, I shouldn't say a period, a period of time. A stretch of time. that I knew what you meant. Thank you. Flames talk, we help each other. Um, we
1: willed, as this text says, <laughs> Flames talk willed Matt Coronado to score that. Of course goal. we
2: did. Um, I'm okay with that as long as it's working for a period of time, right? Like I want, as long as it's, it's looking like it does, I don't have any problem with it. Do I think that Sharon Govich could play higher up in the lineup and I think has the potential to? Sure. But for right here, right now, you're reimagining a fourth line that's playing 12, 13 minutes a night. Effective minutes. They've created a couple of chances in both games. I've liked the speed of A.J. Greer. I think he's been tenacious on pucks. We just talked about Walker Dewar as just Mr. Consistent. You don't have to worry about what he's giving you night tonight. That's perfectly fine. I think this is a process of figuring this this whole forward crew out and who works best with who still in my mind is undetermined and still kind of in the works. So for the meantime, yeah, let's, let's keep it going because you're right last year, there were too many peaks and valleys with that fourth line. And I think the one thing I will say about last year and even the last couple of years under Daryl Sutter is I think Daryl had a very specific way that he liked his fourth line. I think he liked a, a checking veteran fourth line. And sure. I think that, that never really wavered during his tenure. but are there other options? Are there different ways to go about it? We thought at one point maybe the flames were gonna go super young with that role and now they've kind of gone with the speed option and it's kind of worked out really well. I'm just excited to see I'm excited to see that there's more that can be done with that and it's just been two games, but they've been like you said, I think really effective and probably some of the more consistent guys. Uh, through two games in this early part of the season yeah
1: it's um it's good to see we'll see if it can continue i don't see why it wouldn't continue with the way that now again it's it's early on in the year that said but you talked about doer being mr consistency which he has been i i don't see why a fourth line with walker doer is kind of the in a lot of ways maybe the Anchor of it and kind of like the the Mr. Consistency on it for the time being. I don't know why it couldn't be remaining. Well, and if Greer trio. keeps
2: this up, and that's going to be the pairing, and you're just trying to work out who centers them for the majority of the season. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I, I've liked, like you mentioned, I liked what AJ Greer's brought to the table early on.
1: Uh, so that will start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. He's Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. As as always, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers this year, uh, and this hour, uh, have been Cam and Taylor also this year, but this hour yeah. have been Cam and Taylor. Oh. Both you know, big picture and little picture, we're all over it. Uh, it's time to wrap up this hour. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just fourteen fifty. or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.